Austin, do you remember how long it took me to find a podcast platform for us? Forever. I ended up finding one called Anchor, and I initially chose it just because it was free. But it also has a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. They also distributed for us, so that's why we ended up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all of our other places. And you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Everything you need to make a podcast in just one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Will This Be on the Test? I'm Maddie. I'm Austin. This is our spooky Halloween episode, so we're we're sitting here with a giant box of candy. It's like the best mix ever. It's got Reese's, Heath Bars, Crackles, Milk Duds, and then Whoppers, which are the devil, but they make uh, up for it. Kit Kat Bars. Oh, they're Kit Kats? I didn't see those. There's a Kit Kat. I got a Kit Kat right here in my hand. Oh, man. Keith bars are my favorite chocolate candy. Do you know that? I did know that. You keep telling me. Yeah. They've got I mean, toffee and they've got chocolate. They do, but they're so much more expensive than Reese's, which are my second favorite. So. Uh, see, Reese's are my favorite. They are so good. I think my second favorite is probably Payday. I like peanut butter. Oh, I love and peanuts. Payday. And nougat and caramel. Oh, yeah, I like candy. <laughs> yeah, we're basically children. We had our Halloween party last night. We were Steve and Dustin from Stranger Things. I was Dustin. She was Steve. I was Steve because I already have the hair in real life. And you've got the attitude. The I'm not quite sure what's going on most of the time attitude. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And you were a real bully in high school. Oh, totally. I was so mean. You beat me so many times. That wasn't me. That was my doppelganger. Okay. The, yeah. the shadow person I saw walking through the halls of our house. That was that was a doppelganger that you saw. We Okay. Last week, we were sit- I was sitting on the couch, Austin was sitting on the other couch, and then all of a sudden he says, wait, you're in here? Yeah, I've been here for about half an hour. And he had just seen me walk across the open doorway in our hallway. Yep, from like the bathroom to the bedroom. It's like, what is going on? And around the same time, we started getting this mysterious puddle of water that would keep showing up in the middle of our kitchen. We checked all. We checked everything you're supposed to check for that. We still don't know where it's coming from. I blame the cats, but I just blame them for everything. It's not anywhere near the cat bowls. That's the problem. They play with water. You saw Zumbi splash, Gigi. Yeah, but that's still like eight feet away. She's a strong cat. Well, before we get started today, we need to talk about really just to make a correction on last week when we referred to Mozart as one of the greatest musicians of all time. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, but, you know, uh, I was reading the news, and apparently Kanye is now the greatest musical ge- genius of all time. And I was talking about Mozart, like, he was the greatest musical genius of all time, and I can't believe I made such a rookie error. Yeah, we'd like to apologize to all of our listeners for insinuating that anybody except for Kanye would be the greatest musician of all time. No, he said he was the greatest musician, and he said that God made him the greatest musician, too. I mean, it's got to be someone, I guess. It's got to be. Remember when he first showed up on the scene, like, 15 years ago or whatever? Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I I didn't listen to him, but everything I understood about him is that he was pretty good and cool and... Now he wears sweatpants and yells at the news and is best friends with an idiot. There are not many things that would make me feel bad for Kim Kardashian. 
but she's married to him and marriages are super hard to get out of even if you want to. I don't know if she wants to, but... I mean, I think he's on a downward spiral. She just might be riding it out. She is married to the greatest musician of all time, so maybe yeah. maybe she should feel bad for us. I don't think Kim Kardashian even knows we exist. And I don't want her to know we exist. Kim, if you're listening to this podcast, shut it off now. You're not welcome here. <laughs> well, like we said, this is our spooky Halloween episode. Oh, spooky noises. Rowl, rowl, James. Werewolf bar mitzvah. Spooky, spooky scary. scary. Let's not get sued. <laughs> yes, because that was definitely recognizable as the hit Tracy Jordan song, Werewolf Bar Mitzvah. <laughs> so we've both prepared Halloween-themed stories for tonight, things that we learned incorrectly or didn't learn at all in school, and we would like to set the record straight. Yep. Did I go first last time? I went first last time. I talked oh, about... Oh, it's, it's my turn to go first this time? It is. Oh, good. Because I've got something fun. It's, it's about two incredibly famous people and spiritualism. I love spiritualism. Like, I think that is one of the most fascinating oh, we could, things. We could probably do an entire series on spiritualism because it was like a 70-year trend. And it, like, kept changing. And it's been around for forever. And it's still kind of around. Like, those TV mm-hmm. psychics are doing yeah. the exact same stuff. It's like, yeah, it's been, and this has been going on for forever. But it got huge in 1848. And we're going to talk about Harry Houdini and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. And... Their friendship turned rivalry turned murder, question mark? Did Arthur Conan Doyle steal Sherlock Holmes from Houdini? No. Did Houdini steal him from from Conan Doyle and claim it was his? No. Did he dress up as Sherlock Holmes and not give him credit? Yes. Uh, Houdini was the original cosplayer, <laughs> and it made Sherlock Holmes so mad that he never added him in any of his tweets. It was a disappointing time back then. Thankfully, we've evolved. We've evolved so much. So I'm going to like do super fast like <laughs> spiritualism in a nutshell. Are you okay. ready? I am. Okay. It's been around for forever, like we talked about. There's always been mediums, people trying to talk to the dead, people who claim they had connections to the other side. I do. It's been going around for forever. But it got really popular in America and Europe in 1848 when the Fox sisters started performing. And Which, by the way, they were frauds. Admit, self-admitted frauds. I actually know who the Fox sisters are, but not yeah. because of anything I learned in school. It's because we listen to podcasts. Yep. And it's, I'll say, the spiritualism movement, movement was overflowing with frauds, hucksters, con men. Brilliant people who knew how to capitalize on a situation. Yes. And, and some of it was just like, it's laughably stupid by today's standards. People would say, okay, everybody close your eyes. And something spooky is going to happen, and they get up and make spooky noises very quietly. Or they would say, okay, leave me alone in this room, and come back, and you'll see that there's something magic has happened. Wait, isn't that first thing just what guided meditation is? Yeah. So we still do that. We just call it mindfulness now. <laughs> but it was hugely popular. Um, the popularity of it dipped around 1900, but after... Um, Everybody lost relatives and loved ones in World War One, mm-hmm. and from the Spanish influenza, it became very popular again, and that's where our story picks up. Okay. So, uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, you may know him from his from Sherlock Holmes. No, nope, never heard character. of him. Didn't mention it earlier. World's greatest detective, known for being highly logical and finding an explanation for everything, and you got four. Oh, four. And two little babies. I just opened milk duds. It makes up for the one that I opened. These are miniature boxes. 
I, I'm showing it to my microphone like it, like you can see me. <laughs> I got a box that only had one in it earlier, but this one has four and two minis. This is the best. You're eating the babies. You got to let them go so they can grow big and strong. You monster. <laughs> is it like veal? No, I've had a veal. Oh. It just tastes like steak. I don't get it. I don't get it either. What was I talking about? Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wrote Sherlock Holmes, his most famous character. He also did some other stuff. But he'd always been interested in the paranormal and stuff his entire life. He was a member of a, a very exclusive club of British nobility called the Ghost Club, which was about, like, you know, the paranormal and supernatural and hanging out in a fancy club doing fancy club things. So there's a, there was a rumor that he got into spiritualism because his son died in World War One. That's not true. He had actually been involved in it well before his son's death, and his son was also involved in it with him before he died. So he did not become, like, a big crazy medium guy. Can we prove that he wasn't a time traveler and did it that way? I mean, we can never prove he's not a time traveler. We can't because prove... he traveled back in time to destroy the evidence. We can't prove that anyone's not a time traveler. So he was big into Christian spiritualism. He was like super, super Jesus-y. It was a new revelation and these mediums were sent by God to provide solace to the bereaved. Like Kanye West! Like Kanye West. So Sir Car Arthur Conan Doyle was the original Kanye West. <laughs> no, no, he he was a follower of Kanye mm -hmm. West. His son's nanny he thought was a psychic, and he also thought that mental illness was caused by spirits. That still goes around. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> Tom, Tom Cruise, those are aliens. Alien spirits. I'm so confused by Scientology, because I, there's like a ghost test thing, too. and You got ghosts in your blood. Yeah, they used to stand in Copley Square in Boston when I lived there. I'm sure they still do. I'm sure they didn't just follow me here or anything. And give ask people if they would want to take a ghost test. That's like, I hope the ghost test would be like, okay. Are I've you got, a ghost? Yes it's like, no? Name this ghost. Oh, that's Casper. Well done, sir. <laughs> keep going, please. So keep going. All right. Then um, we're going to also Harry Houdini, who was born Eric Weiss. He uh, made his name less Jewish because it was the 1920s and people were awful. Mm. He is the world's most famous magician. And he was also briefly interested in the spiritualism stuff, but mostly because he was debunking it. Because he thought, at first he thought it was, this is nice that people are doing this to provide some like solace to people. It doesn't hurt. But over time he became more and more jaded to it and was debunking a lot of frauds. Uh -huh. But he was also... he kind of wanted it to be real, too, especially after the death of his mother. I and understand that. He wanted it to be real, but he didn't want to be fooled. He was a member of a Scientific American panel that was offering a gigantic prize of $25,000. Oh, damn. Which, in today's money, is roughly 12,000 Ouija boards. <laughs> we do all of our buying and selling around here in Ouija boards. It's true. It's been it's made paying the mortgage very difficult. Yeah, the bank's not into it, but then we brought them one of our really good Ouija boards, so now they don't need a choice. And we uh, made spooky noises, and now they're scared of us. Austin does all of our spooky noises. I do. So, he debunked a lot of frauds at this time. My favorite was a, uh, was a medium called Mina Crandon who was able to produce a spirit hand out of the ether. Well, I haven't heard about her. There's photos. Of, oh, um, there's a reason. The spirit hand was not a spirit hand. It was a piece of cut-up beef liver that she was storing in her vagina. 
for the worst yeast infection in history. But she was making banks. So, and another one he did was Joaquin Agramacia. He was a Spanish guy. He had x-ray eyes because he would be able to see cards and see through his blindfold. He was peeking under his blindfold. That's what he was doing. That's all of his trick was. He was peeking under his blindfold, being very sneaky looking at cards. That was his entire shtick. Houdini, like, disproved him. I hate magicians. Okay, you may hate magicians, but Houdini was really awesome. He kind of, like, it was, like, showmanship, skill, practice. Did he really claim to be a, a, a magician, though? No. That's the thing. It's When I watch, like, America's Got Talent, I'm legitimately afraid of these people because I... I mean, I was a teacher for a long time. I'm pretty observant, and I can't figure out how the good ones do it. Mm -hmm. So I hate them because I'm scared of them and don't understand them, yeah. which is, I guess, how a lot of horrible things have happened in history, but I don't plan on doing any kind of culling of magicians. Well, I mean, you kind of should, because it would get rid of all of the incels. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> These guys who make videos about hating women and why they shouldn't be allowed to do anything they do all look like failed magicians? Yep. So, Houdini was not one, though. Houdini was pretty cool. Houdini and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle became friends in the 1920. They had their shared interest in spiritualism. They corresponded a bit. They wrote back and forth. They were both incredibly famous. So they kind of had like a weird bromance thing going. Uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was interested in finding scientific proof of his beliefs. So And so was Houdini. But Sir Arthur Conan Doyle thought that Harry Houdini was actually magic. And he was, like, unconsciously doing all of this magic stuff under the guise of his tricks. And Houdini just didn't realize the extent of his own innate magical power. See, that's how I feel about these magicians on TV. Houdini would explain that he was doing these tricks to him, and Doyle wouldn't believe him. That's these TV magicians, man. They're, they all went to Hogwarts. They're hiding in plain yeah. sight. Well, anyway, Doyle thought that debunking these frauds was great at first. Because it was like, oh, yeah, these are great. Get these frauds out of here, then we'll leave only the actual ones behind, and it'll give more legitimacy to the real psychics, and you're going to have less people fooling everybody. I like that. Yeah, it was, it was great at first. They actually did, they put on a show together where Harry Houdini did some amazing magic stuff, and he's an escape artist and all these things. Then Sir Arthur Conan Doyle one-upped him by playing a prank. <laughs> um, they, he had recently filmed his movie, The Lost World, based on his book, The Lost World. Which is not a Sherlock Holmes. It's not a Sherlock Holmes, but he wrote other things. It was sci-fi. It was about dinosaurs. Well, they had claymation dinosaurs in this film, and he claimed that this was actual, like, film footage they shot in South America. Everybody freaked out until he reve revealed it was actually a prank. This was his upcoming movie. Doyle would play some jokes, too. He was not just a, like, crazy stick in the mud. So that was, like, they actually put on a show together, and it was hilarious that this happened. Doyle would introduce Houdini to all of these psychics, and Houdini never bought it. He actually would write about it in diaries and in letters about how he just didn't believe any of this stuff, and then come back to haunt him later when their friendship broke apart. Because they were friends for years, not like best friends, they were like Christmas letter friends, they'd write to each other back and forth. It was like a very casual friendship. But in 1922, Lady Doyle, who had the gift, she would do automatic writing. Oh, yeah, I know what that is. Which, automatic writing is... Could you explain it? Because it's just... Automatic writing is basically when you're channeling a spirit and you are writing down the messages that are coming to you. Whatever they're saying, it's coming out kind of in first person and mm -hmm. your handwriting doesn't look like yours. And yeah. It's kind of all over the place. It's basically a Ouija board, but without the board. 
it kind of reminds me of like when you are like uh, when you are like really really tired mm-hmm. and you just start talking whatever is coming to your head is immediately going down i am channeling the spirits during that you are and they mostly want nachos and to f- find out if the capybaras are okay the capybaras are okay and no they don't have hooves but in one country, they're considered fish during Lent. They are considered fish during Lent. Well, anyway, she had the gift, and she did some automatic writing, and it was a message from Harry Houdini's deceased mother. She made you get past pages and pages of these messages from Houdini's mother to Harry Houdini. Doyle thought this would be all the proof Houdini needed to finally fully believe this is real, because his wife had the gift, and there was no way this is fake. It did not convince Houdini because of a few things. First of all... Uh, Houdini's mother did not speak much English. Second, she was Jewish, and the descriptions of angels and the heaven and all of the crosses that Lady Doyle drew, and also the automatic writing, took place on his mother's birthday, and Houdini thought it was strange that his mother did not mention that it was her birthday in all these pages of letters. Maybe she didn't want the attention because getting older is embarrassing for women. He mentioned this to Doyle, and Doyle brushed it off. It's like, well... You know, spirits don't care for the earthly calendar, and she must have converted and learned English in heaven. That was kind of like the nail in the coffin for his belief in spiritualism. And it's just like, he be- he believed that they believed. I hate that phrase. But it's it works. It's like, oh, it's like, I don't want to crush like my friend's wife. See, I feel like I believe that you believe is basically the most crushing thing you can say because Mm -hmm. they literally just told you they believe this. Yeah. So that's like saying, I don't think you're lying that you believe in it. I think you're lying about everything in your belief system. He didn't say that to him, but he did write about it in his diary that he thought it's like, I don't buy any of this. Dear diary, I don't like my friend Arthur anymore. And um, it it later, it grew more tense when Sir Arthur Conan Doyle like, viciously attacked, like, not, like, physically, but, like, in writing. <laughs> he sicked the hound of the Baskervilles on him. Yep. A, another debunker, Harry Price, uh, who had proved that spirit, a bunch of spirit photography and other things were fake, mm-hmm. which um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was famously tricked by the Cottingley fairies. Yeah, they're, I know that. The fa- the, they're making these photographs of these fairies, but it was photographs of cardboard cutouts of fairies. They're spectacular, though. They're, they're beautiful photographs, but it was... You know, they were fakes. So Sir Arthur Conan Doyle convinced 84 researchers working at the National Lab of Physics Research to resign because they were members of his various societies. It was a lot of bad press, and it was just brutal and vicious because this guy had debunked something Sir Arthur Conan Doyle believed in. So Houdini decided it was time for an intervention. He made one last attempt to get through to him that maybe not everything you believe is completely real, so he um, put on a personal magic show for Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, in which he'd show him these tricks, explain to him step by step how he did it. He, he broke so many rules of magic to try to get through to this guy. It's like, you never tell people how to do your tricks. He broke the magician's he code. He broke the magician's cro- code, which I'm assuming he wrote because he was the best. They're illusions, Illusions, Michael. Michael. It didn't convince him. He was still convinced that Houdini was actually magic. Even though he explained to him how he did it and demonstrated it and showed all of the secrets to his tricks. That'd basically be the best way, to, though, to stay hidden as a real wizard. That is exactly what Doyle said. <laughs> See, Doyle and I, same page with this. So this is like Houdini gave up at this point. But Sir Arthur and Doyle didn't give up on Houdini until he saw an interview, or read an interview, 
in which Houdini said, I've never seen a convincing spiritual encounter. He had seen his wife's spiritual encounter. Ooh. And it, like, it was a Mari moment. <laughs> Doyle described Houdini as a greedy, jealous sorcerer, covering his own magic as tricks and dampening the gifts of others with his own power. Because, you know, that's really part of what his power was, was he would go to these real spiritualists who did have the gift, and then his presence would mute it and make it less effective, so he would not be able to see it. So he was really greedy man, trying to cover up the magic of the world to protect himself, and so he could be, like, the best magician. Houdini was talking about how Doyle was a little bit senile and delusional and easily fooled. Oh. At this point, yeah. So it, it went into a full-on feud. It, even to the point where Houdini was being attacked by every spiritualist at this point, because he wrote a book about how, like, all of these are frauds. And he's actually writing a book about how religion is also a fraud with the help of H.P. Lovecraft, you know, the world's favorite racist old windbag. <laughs> but he was writing a book about how religion was fake when he died. The book was never published. Because whatever God was out there was not pleased mm -hmm. about it, killed him, and didn't allow the book to be published. Yep. So when uh, Houdini died in 1926, Sir Arthur Gordon Toyle claimed a psychic told him of Houdini's death the night it happened. People have been predicting Houdini's death for years, and another psychic also predicted uh, Houdini's death, which, by the way, he died on Halloween. Did he? Was he drowned in a box? No. No, he... Um, he got punched in the stomach, and it ruptured his appendix. They also read through a conspiracy theory that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle had Houdini assassinated. By a random audience member during a show, right? Mm-hmm. He just happened to pick the audience member? Well, who... because he had been predicting Houdini's death, and had been talking about it, and they had been publicly fighting for a while. So every audience member was actually there to appendix punch him. Well, it was a, it was a, it was a fighter who came up and... Like, kind of surprised him with the punch, and he wasn't suspecting it. So they think that he was sent by these these societies, because, you know, he was he had a lot of rich connections. He could have had this guy sent through all these bat channels to get there. But it's, uh, it was even to the point where in 2007, Houdini's great-nephew tried to have him exhumed to look for signs of foul play, like a poisoning or anything else other than that punch. It He was not granted that. This is pretty neat, though. Another spooky thing. Houdini and his wife had an agreement in which they had a series of code words that they would say if one of them died to the other. And his wife, for 10 years on Halloween, would do seances trying to make contact with Harry Houdini. It never happened. Even though one of them did actually kind of trick them and learn about what these code words were oh, and try to fool her, but they figured it out. And it's even used today. It's like, oh, Houdini did make contact. They just tried to cover it up. For 10 years, she tried to make contact with him. And after 10 years, she gave up. She says, 10 years is long enough to wait for any man. <laughs> Dude, 10 minutes is long enough to wait for any man. You're going on a tender date. He's 10 minutes late. You leave. So that was the friendship and rivalry of Harry Houdini and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, which is so weird that the world's most famous magician was the voice of reason trying to disprove all of these spiritualists and a man famous for writing one of the most logical detectives just would blindly believe all of this stuff. Yeah, that's I've actually read all of the Sherlock Holmes books, mm -hmm. and there are cases in there that seem like magic, and he 
purposely goes through and debunks everything yeah, about it. I know. That's why that's why I did this because it's like this is just so weird. Did he start writing that after he met Houdini though? Oh gosh. I don't think so. Because that seems like Sherlock could be based on Houdini if that's the case. Maybe. I don't think Houdini did so much of the heroin. Was it heroin or was it opium? I think opium I don't know. I actually okay, I don't remember that actually really being referenced in the books in any way. I think that might be more of a interpretation slash pop culture thing. It might be. There's been so many iterations of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, just guys, if you haven't, Audible has the Sherlock Holmes books and they're really well done and they're really good. You should you should read them or listen to them. Yeah, don't let um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's weird personal life throw you off of what are some amazing books to read. Don't and let Tony Stark try to convince you that he is also Sherlock Holmes. Those movies are entertaining, and it's one of the best bromances on film. But don't. So, are you ready for a question or two? Yep, our questions are, will this be on the test, not answering the questions? Okay, will this be on the test? Will the fact that Harry Houdini died on Halloween be on the test? Yeah, we like dates on tests. Yeah. Will the fact that he and his wife had an agreement to try and contact each other after their death with code words be on a test? Probably not, because we tend to end stories when they die. Will the fact that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the author of Sherlock Holmes, believed in spiritualism and like you know, all this afterlife stuff and was tricked on many occasions be on the test? Not the tricked on many occasions part, probably, but the rest of it kind of depends on the teacher and how much they delve into the authors over the books. Will the fact that somebody convinced people she was magic by hiding a uh, cut-up beef liver in her vagina be on the test? Good. Going back to my topic last week, I feel like that would be on there for somebody who's talking about the Barnum effect or something. Uh -huh. like, guys... Guys, sometimes it's just beef in the vagina. I feel like we could probably do an entire podcast of bad women's anatomy that we've learned in school. What do you mean? It's like, hey, here's a neat trick. It's like, put some beef liver in your vagina and you convince people you're magic. It always comes back to Pliny the Elder, doesn't it? Pliny the Elder um, did <laughs> say that that was the only way to cure feline distemper. So, that was mine. Are you ready? I am. I'm excited. What are you doing? I am doing poison Halloween candy. <gasps> he gasps as he eats some Halloween candy. So we grew up before trunk or treating, which is what it is now. Trunk or treating, which yeah. is when people go to parking lots and get candy out of people's trunks, which I'm sorry, isn't that inherently stranger danger? Go up to the guy yeah, with the van who has candy. We were warned never to get food out of people's cars. It's, mm -hmm. like, it's like, don't care if they say they have candy. You don't go up to that white van. I think next Halloween, we should just rent a giant white van and participate in as many trunk or treats as we can with a sign that says free candy on the side and see people still come to us. Well, we went door to door. Mm -hmm. We did the door to door trick or treating. Yep. You were still out when it was dark out. You knew to look out for cars. And back then, cars knew to look out for you. Yeah. Cars drove very slowly on Halloween with their high beams on, watching out for kids. Not so much during trunk or treating as we've yep. seen, and we'll talk about in a second. Oh, God, I almost got run over in my own driveway. We went door to door. No one died. 
That may sound like a back in my day thing, but it's not. It's back in your day. It's back in your parents' day. It's in everyone's day because exactly zero kids have been poisoned, seriously injured, or given any kind of disease by trick-or-treating. Period. Wow. This may sound like a weird thing to be on the podcast, but when we were young, both our parents and we were being told in school, out of school, that everyone was out to get us on Halloween. Everyone's yep. going to poison our candy, put razor blades in it, whatever. Couldn't trust anybody unless you were selling wrapping paper to support something at your school, of course. Then go door to door with your school shirt on. Tell the strangers your name and the activity you're involved with at that school. And then ask them for money. It's fine. No one wants to kidnap you. Just spend money on things to kill you, but never actually see the results. You know, like all murderers do. They don't ever want to see the things they murder die. Oh, no. Yeah, it just seems weird to me that they were telling us to not go trick-or-treating because our neighbors were going to poison us, but we should go there, sell them stuff by telling them our name and our school and our activity because no one's going to kidnap you. They're just going to murder you on one day out of the year. Yeah. We were told to not go trick-or-treating. And if we were allowed to, every piece of candy had to be inspected by your parents. Oh, um, they could even bring it into the x-rayed. That's newer, I think. That didn't happen when I was younger, at least. It does now. I actually mentioned yeah. that briefly later. Mm. The candy that was not fully inflated was always in the no pile because that meant it could have been tampered with. So why were we told these things? I think it was because mom wanted to steal your Reese's. It's true. Reese's has the worst, flimsiest packaging that's most likely to be popped in the bag. That's the best candy that you can really get on Halloween because yeah. no one has Heath bars. So mom's just like, oh no, it's poisoned, and then hides it. Yeah. And also because the media loves to get ratings, so we were told this. See, we were never, I was never told that. But I was told to make sure to put your candy up high so the dog doesn't get into it. See, that didn't so, work with our dog. I think he could fly. So, oh my God, my parents were more concerned about the dog getting into the chocolate than they were about me being murdered by our neighbors by with very expensive candies. Our dog, for like two years running, ate all of our Halloween candy. All of it. We put it up high. He was not a particularly agile dog. And he wasn't a small dog that could leap onto counters. No idea how he got it. Never got sick from it, even though it's mostly chocolate. But our yard, completely full of brightly colored wrapping papers inside of dog shit for days. So there is a book that I actually kind of want to read from the library. I just read snippets from it online called Candy, A Century of Panic. Ooh. We learned that this story, the poison candy, has been around since the Industrial Revolution. What? This happened then because food they stopped making locally. It used to be you would go to the corner bakery or the corner whatever to get your treats or your mom would make them at home. And now everything is being made in places that they couldn't see. Jobs were being taken away because of it. And even doctors get up, got in on it saying, oh, yeah, every day I'm treating kids for eating poison candy, not just on Halloween, every day. Like This kid needs to stop eating all that candy. Maybe it was just diabetes because he ate nothing but candy. Well, the fact is none of this is true. <laughs> Nobody's candy was being poisoned. It came down to 
the manufacturing processes at the time, shockingly, were not up to today's codes. And so they ended up with contaminants in their candy. Oh, okay. And the doctors were not treating kids every day. And saying that they were being poisoned was just wrong. It was... And also the kids, if they did get sick, usually were not because of that. Like you said, it's because they ate too much and had indigestion. <laughs> and plus, I mean, this is like Industrial Revolution times. So these were kids working 18 hours a day in a factory. They weren't healthy. <laughs> yeah, this still happens on Halloween every year. The kids, you know, they end up real sick. And it's because they ate too much candy because candy is awesome. Mm-hmm. That book goes on to say that you know, 100 or whatever years later, in the 1960s and 70s, the fears amplified because of racial integration and women working outside the home. Okay, I am not following the logic here. Well, there are people who don't look like us around, so they must be trying to kill our children. And if these women cared enough about their kids, they would be staying home. If they're working then why would they care enough about the candy and other treats they're giving out to other people's kids? At the very least, they're not cleaning their kitchens well enough. What's funny is that the two known cases of candy being tampered with in any real way were done by men. That tracks. In neither case did a stranger die. And in fact, in one of those two cases, no one was supposed to die. And the other case... Was this like a prank poisoning? Was this like... Actually, yeah, kind (laughs) of. The majority of them are, but I'll get onto that in a second. That one, in 1959, a dentist gave candy-coated laxatives to children. God. I assume it's because he's a dentist and candy gives you cavities. 30 kids had the appropriate laxative reaction. 30. Oh, God. No one suffered long-term damage except, I assume, the psychological damage their parents had to go through after cleaning that up. <laughs> oh, and they were walking, too. If they're out trick-or-treating, it'd be like, mmm, candy. Then, oh, no. I'm assuming, just like me, you would eat all of your candy as you were trick-or-treating. I wasn't allowed to. We had to have it inspected. See, that's, that's a fool's game. That's why I eat all the good stuff. <laughs> that way they, can take, they can't take it away. That's true. I lost all my Reese's that way. This might explain why I'm so resilient to poisons now as an adult. He did end up charged with child endangerment and another crime that I forgot to write down, but it was something pretty lame. So he he got in trouble for it. There was another case where someone got in trouble for putting weird things in candy. She was, in 1964, it was a woman. This is not someone who was trying to poison kids. Like I said, the cases of people trying to poison children. And the one case I could find of them finding sharp things, all men. So the whole working women thing is bullshit. She didn't like the fact that teenagers were trick-or-treating. She thought it was only for young kids. So to the teenagers, she would give things that were not edible, like dog treats, steel wool, and clearly labeled ant poison. It said poison in big letters on it. (laughs) She wasn't trying to poison anybody. She was not trying to hurt anybody. The steel wool, the dog treats were not disguised as candy. No one got hurt because nobody was dumb enough to eat the steel wool or the clearly labeled poison. She got charged with child endangerment as well. But if we're charging people who give non-food objects to kids on Halloween, then why aren't we charging everybody who gave me a goddamn toothbrush or a penny as a kid? Or got the erasers that looked like candy? Yeah, that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. And they were always disappointing when you discovered they were erasers. Oh, God. And they, all the other non-food stuff, too, like raisins. Oh, God. The vampire teeth? 
that don't fit in your mouth are the wax lips. Oh. It's like, what? Who on earth thought wax lips was a treat? We had them weirdly frequently in my childhood in my house, but they were just funny. Like, it was, you put them on, you're like, look at my giant red lips. And they were funny. Then you'd chew on them because it was fun, it was a fun texture to chew on, I guess. I could only find one incident of somebody putting sharp objects in candy. Another man. Just saying, not the working woman. It was in 2000. He put needles in Snickers bars. One kid got a tiny poke in his mouth. Nobody else got hurt. There are suggestions that other incidents happened in which nobody was was hurt then, but I couldn't find any actual reports. Except for the incidences of kids dying after eating Halloween candy from unrelated, unrelated illnesses. In one case, a girl's parents even told the police that their, par- that their daughter had a serious medical condition. That is likely what happened to her. They told the police this. Obviously, you know, you call 911 when your kid collapses. Mm-hmm. You get questioned by the police when your kid collapses. They said, our daughter has a heart condition. The media still said she ate poison candy. All of what? these instances are fake and made up or exaggerated by the media. They just decided that because she died after eating Halloween candy, it must have been poison candy. When it's actually just a very sad situation. There are two incidences, incidents... Incidenti? (laughs) That could actually be considered things that contribute to this. In 1970, a five-year-old boy in Detroit died after eating heroin, which his uncle had just left lying around. The family didn't want the uncle to get in trouble for the heroin that their kid ate, so they sprinkled it on the kid's Halloween candy and said he ate it in the candy. Yeah, that was proven to be a lie, and everybody got in trouble. And so this five-year-old dies, and the family's like, oh, better protect the uncle. It's like, don't protect heroin, uncle. I mean, it's like, like I understand protecting your family, but if your uncle, or I guess brother for that person. Whoever. Is on heroin. And leaves it in a place where a child can find it and consume it. You gotta let that uncle go. We get that addiction is a complicated issue, mm-hmm. but I think when your five-year-old dies because of it, you get to be pissed. Yeah. Four years later, in 1974, a boy actually did die because of cyanide in his pixie sticks, which he got on Halloween from his dad. His dad wanted the $40,000 life insurance payout on his kid. So he gave the candy to him and a few other kids, including his daughter. None of the other pixie sticks got eaten. The cops figured it out real fast and confiscated all the pixie sticks from the neighborhood. His kid died, no one else was hurt, and his intention was not to poison the other kids. It was just to collect life insurance on his own son because he was a great dad. Ugh, that's just awful. Regardless, these things were exaggerated into being multiple incidences. Why do I keep saying that? I know it's not it. Incidents mm-hmm. by news and even advice columnists. Who are the people who are relied on in some ways more than the news is? Advice columnists? Yeah, dear Abby. Said this is happening. Dear Abby, like, we we rely on you. I'll tell you, I don't think Dear Prudy would ever say that. Oh, no. They're saying everyone is poisoning your kids. Everyone is dangerous. Not a single person just enjoys how happy the kids are and wants to, like, see that joy that they experienced as a kid, too. To make things worse, teaching this, because we still teach it, it gets taught in school. This is all dangerous. You shouldn't do it. The news is saying you shouldn't do it. Police are saying, let me x-ray your candy for metal, which 
like, my tax dollars are paying for all of this. Yeah, it's like, um, and like even like the stupid ones. Like remember, art, dangerous psychopaths injecting HIV infected blood into your Halloween candy. I mentioned that in a second. Oh god! Or at least not that. I remember. I, I remember that. I remember that news like trailer as a kid. It's like. Even then, it's like, this is stupid. See, I feel like they should, it's just like, oh, are they doing this? And you get to, you get on your watch the news. So, no. yeah, just say, are they injecting it? No. no. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on to real news. Teaching it is actually proving to be dangerous. As opposed to saying being something helpful and harmless, it's actually a dangerous thing. Much more dangerous than your neighbors and their milk duds or even their homemade treats that used to be the norm. I love popcorn balls. Since 1959, there have been approximately 80 instances of sharp objects in Halloween bags. People heard these stories, the ones in school, the ones on the news, and thought it'd be a funny joke to play. Parents would put sharp things in their kids' bags. Friends of the kids would put sharp things in the bags. No one's been seriously injured, but someone could be. Because you hear, this is happening. Oh, haha, I'm going to do this. It's not a great dad joke to stick a steak knife in the candy bag, because that's how you lose a finger. Mm -hmm. Or lose a steak knife. And worse still, kids hear these stories and see the adults reacting to it, and they start putting shit in their own candy and making themselves sick because they want that attention. Oh, or they start yeah. faking sick. At the, like, best case scenario, they're faking it. Or they put something sharp in their own thing and cut their mouth up. Because they see the attention that these stories get, and they went in on the attention. Adults do stuff for attention, too. And this is my little sidetrack related to what you yeah. said. We saw how well this can work recently. It wasn't a Halloween story. It was the AIDS-infected bananas. Oh, my God, Yes. There was a kid, and this this happened a few times, but one of them happened out in, I think, like, Independence, Missouri or something. Yeah, it's shit. Independence or Liberty. Something like that. Kid one of those shitty towns is in eating a banana. It had red in it. Parents lose their shit, take them to the hospital, bring the banana to be inspected medically. Oh, they uh, tested the banana's DNA. Posted all over Facebook that it had immediately, because blood testing is an immediate thing, Especially been identified blood. as blood... And that they had found needle puncture marks on the outside of the banana, which you wouldn't be able to see. I mean, you can't see a tiny, you can see the giant red mark left by my flu shot. Mm -hmm. Still glad I got the flu shot. Yeah, vaccinate. Cool. I, you can't see my, my spot anymore from where I got my flu shot. You can't see a needle mark. And these people are on Facebook saying, my kid ate the bloody bananas and they're going to get the AIDS. Also not how you get AIDS. It was for the attention. Mm -hmm. More than anything else, they went on and they framed it as, this is a public service I'm doing. And also, the poor people who worked in the store had to peel and inspect every single banana. Which, honestly, if the cops actually thought this was a thing, they would have done themselves. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a fungus or something that... Yeah, it's a fungus bananas, that causes the red, the red coloration of bananas. And it just looks gross. It can't hurt you. Yeah. You could eat... 20 of those bananas, and you'd be sick from eating 20 bananas. Yeah. Anyway, that just goes back to the whole people see the panic these kinds of stories induce, and they want in on it. And I'm not saying it's a conscious thing going, oh, I want this attention. While kids, they're also not consciously thinking, I want the attention, but part of their brain is going, I want the attention, so I'm going to put a razor blade in my candy. This year, the big worry seems to be edibles. Edibles, if you don't know, are candies that are made with 
marijuana. Marijuana isn't legal where we live. And I've always been super straight edge. Austin knew me in high school. He could attest to the fact that oh I was my like, God. I was the one that you would call if you were at a party and needed someone to pick you up. I was not the one doing the partying. Anyway, I don't know how much pot costs because of this then or now, but I have a feeling it's much more expensive than just buying candy and that people aren't going to want to spend that kind of money. It's like, these are expensive, expensive gummy bears. And also, are they even in the right kind of pack? I, I don't know. Are they in the right kind of miniature packaging where people wouldn't think it was weird? Or are you going to have gummy bears in a Ziploc baggie? No, I've, I've seen them. They're in like, they're in like like glass jars with a lid on it. You're not going to be mistakenly handing that out at a help at tr- to trick or treaters. There are cases where kids have gotten into those, where pets have gotten into those. It's not strangers. It's in their own houses. Mm-hmm. So if you have them, put them away. Yeah. Like, treat them like you would your pornography. <laughs> or your guns. Oh, wait, never mind. This is America. Treat them more securely than you would your guns. So that's not going to happen. There are no instances of that happening. And that shit's expensive. You don't want to waste that on kids. Yeah, and people were even starting to worry about that back when people could only get it medically. I'm like, yes, people are going to hand out their prescription In 2017, it was more hyped up because people interpreted what the St. Louis DEA said as a warning that this was going to happen or it was happening because they were saying, this is how you look for candy that is actually drugs. They had also noticed that there was an uptick in things they've been finding that were pot and meth laced candy. I didn't know you could lace candy with meth. Oh, you can lace anything with meth. We looked up today, though. And we are off the top 10 list for meth states. Yeah. We finally are off that list. Okay, Missouri can't even make enough meth now. It's like, come on. We are outsourcing all of... Damn foreigners taking all our meth jobs. Yeah, so people were deciding the DA was saying this was going to happen. They were actually just saying we've noticed an uptick in edible creation around here. Mm-hmm. There were zero threats as far as I could find. They never filed charges about that. It was just... We've noticed this uptick. This is how mm-hmm. to tell the difference. Yeah, it's like there's more edibles around. So before you eat that strange bag of candy you find in your uncle's re- refrigerator, this is how you know it's drugs. Yeah, and they apparently, oh my God, unless you consume them in huge amounts, you can't tell even if it's meth for a good while if your kid has taken it. So yeah, if your uncle has some weird candy in his house, assume it's meth or pot or heroin until you learn otherwise. Oh my God. By trying to educate people about what drug candy looks like, they're removing so many sitcom, like, misunderstanding plots where it's like, oh, no, grandma ate my pot brownies. So now here we are. We we bought a house three or so years ago. This is, I think, our third Halloween here. Yeah. Honestly, in my top three reasons to ever own a house was trick-or-treaters. I know. The kids with their with their costumes and giving candy and they're excited. They're so happy. They're having the... And we loved Halloween. We still do, but... I, some of my best memories, I remember being being out one year and it started to snow and it was so exciting. I remember the first time I was allowed to be the big kid and not have to have an adult with me. It's just, it's just these really great landmarks and we don't, this will be our third Halloween here. We've had a grand total of two kids. No, we've had four. Two groups of kids? Two groups of kids. They made out like fucking bandits from us mm-hmm. because we dumped our candy bowls and now we keep full or king-sized candy bars at our house just in case, but we didn't get any last year. Yeah. 
but you know they're keeping them safe from us unlike on trunk or treat day where our street is definitely not made more dangerous by the traffic or the children running through the street in mass oh my you know to look for it on halloween when your whole neighborhood is completely covered in suvs and minivans on a day that's not expected to have kids running across the road and you can't maneuver through these vehicles in the first place, and then a toddler runs out in front of you, it is so much more dangerous in our neighborhood. A yeah. trunk or treat, we have a church up the street, than Halloween could ever be. Literally, last year, I almost got hit while I was trying to mow the, or rake the leaves because someone came tearing through my neighborhood to go to trunk or treat, and I was like, dude... Also, my question is, how do we know that Trunk or Treat candy is safe? Trunk or Treat candy has the exact same problem. It's strange candy from people you don't know that your kids picked up. I mean, there's no reason, like, the psychopath who's been handing out razor blades and apples all these years can't put those same apples in his trunk. Yeah, and just because, okay, there are 60 cars at Trunk or Treat, something happens from one of those cars, unless they can find proof of the person who did it who was there... And unless they can also prove that that person's the one who put that candy in their trunk and it wasn't somebody who walked by with a kid who didn't go to your church. Mm -hmm. uh, it just drives me nuts because I don't, unless the cops are there doing their immediate drug tests, just like their immediate blood tests, and also x-raying things with their portable x-ray machine on the way in. Hey, Marie Curie invented the portable x-ray machine in World War One. They could have only made them better. Yeah, it's like, I don't understand how this could be... 100% safer. It's it's not. And of course, you, you do know for a fact there is some Karen who is walking around glaring at everyone's cars and writing down every license plate number at Truck or Treat. Oh, I have, I'm sure they have to check in. But it goes back to what I was saying. It doesn't necessarily have to be a person with a car who put the candy in your kid's bag. Mm -hmm. One of the people walking around holding a bag could also be dropping it. That seems about as realistic as a random stranger in their house putting candy in it, putting mm -hmm. poison in the candy. So the panic is continuing, and trick-or-treating has basically stopped. Yeah. Trust of our neighbors seems to totally disappear around this holiday. The rest of the year, the other 364 days, you're supposed to trust your neighbors unless you live in an apartment building, which I'm bored with. I'm actually, uh, I'm afraid of all neighbors, but... We have, I like our, I I like like our, our neighbors. neighbors, too. It's, we, we have, a, like, a... Quirky little, like, weird old neighborhood. We do. It's, it's almost Gilmore Girls-ian. Yep. Except um, we don't have a tailor. That's definitely... There's no tailor dosing <laughs> in our neighborhood. No, sir. Instead of being a day where you can, you know, even meet your neighbors for the first time in some cases, it's giving people the idea to poison or otherwise mess with their own candy or their kids' candy as a way to make a joke or to get attention. No one has ever been seriously injured by a stranger because in this way. But the idea has become so prevalent that the holiday itself has been changed. And frankly, it sounds like it's gotten more exhausting to me. I don't know about your Facebook feed, but mine is nothing but parents right now who take their kids trunk or treating at like 10 different places because they're involved with all these different activities that are all hosting trunk or treats and you have to make an appearance at all of them. That sounds exhausting. Dude, it's like my costume would have fallen apart because I was that kid who wore the spray-painted beer, uh, <laughs> beer cartons as a Transformers costume when I was a kid. Now that said, please don't 
stop posting your kids in Halloween costumes because I love it. It's they're adorable. They're so cute, but God, I it sounds exhausting. It also sounds expensive mm-hmm. because you have to buy candy for this shit. As I understand it, a lot of the time, oh, the library they have like a Halloween story time, and all the kids show up in their costumes, and we don't give them candy because uh, we're too. We're too ter- we are too terrified of lawsuits, but there's all these kids in their costumes, and it's like, it's adorable. It's my favorite time. So I, I have a feeling these parents are spending way more on candy now than they would have if they were just doing trick-or-treating, because they've got to mm-hmm. buy it for all these different events. Yes, and it's multiple events, so it's taking up more time. Mm-hmm. More time, more effort, more exhaustion. This year, we actually, you know, we've gone to stores. We always say there's way more Halloween candy left after Halloween than there used to be. Yeah. But Halloween candy sales are actually going up. And I have a feeling it's because they're spending so much more and having to buy more for trunk or treat. Oh my, it all makes sense now. They're just in the pocket of big candy. They're spending, Americans are expected to spend $2.6 billion, with a B, dollars on candy for this Halloween. Get the fuck out. $2.6 billion. Easter sells more. What? But that's just a stupid rabbit with eggs. Um, don't complain about a holiday where you get candy, bro. It's a holiday where you get ham, and there's also candy. That is one of the few times I'm like, mm, ham, I do like... Oh, God, I love ham. Now, here's where we get into the danger of this part, too. Uh, Donna Arnett, the head of epidemiology at the University of Alabama School for Public Health, says that the average haul of candy, so one trick-or-treat session, not six trunk-or-treats, would take a 100-pound child 14.5 hours of walking to burn off the calories. You've gone to six trunk or treats. That's a lot more walking. And maybe I'm jealous of the amount of candy kids are getting these. I know. But that sounds way less healthy than the non-existent possibility of your kid getting Oh, getting no. We're absolutely jealous of the amount of candy these kids get. And they're like higher quality costumes. That said, though, I think the reason that we've noticed that there's so much Halloween candy left after Halloween is because trunk or treats happen earlier. So they have to restock. <gasps> So the 50% off Reese's the next day are more abundant. So at the end of the day, we win Halloween. Yeah, so what you're saying is kids are getting more candy, and as a result, we are getting more candy at 50% off because of the restocks. All right, we've changed everything. Guys, keep panicking. It's Dude. Everything is awful. Everyone's out to get you. Um, we definitely don't want to buy 50% off candy. It's not all right. about us. So I'm actually going to break the next big panic, which I did. I did hear about this one. Millennials are going to start putting student loan debt in their candies. So make sure that when your kid goes trick-or-treating, they don't accidentally get student loan debt. (laughs) Seriously, though, there is nothing to panic about. No one is weaponizing Halloween candy unless they are someone who is already close to the child. Stranger danger, just like in kidnapping, is not as prevalent as loved one danger and even both those cases kidnapping and poison candy not likely to happen statistically yeah the only reason to not go trick-or-treating now is because it's been ruined we built it nobody came so people are no longer buying the trick-or-treat candy not putting their lights on anymore because people stopped coming yeah. That's the only reason to not go trick-or-treating, because it got shut down and not by the people who wanted to get out the candy. Yeah. I remember the Halloween after September 11th, Like I was hanging out at a friend's house, because we were, you know, we were sophomores, so we were way too cool to go trick-or-treating. But we were going to hand out candy and eat the leftover candy, because, you know, that's what you do. 
and no one came. That was the anthrax year. That was the anthrax year. Oh yeah, I forgot about the anthrax year. So we, uh, we, we gave up and went trick-or-treating and we got so much candy. We didn't even have costumes. We were just going around. It's like, why is no one trick-or-treating this year? I was like, it's fine. Go. <laughs> we're all going as children of the appropriate age trick-or-treat. I, mean, like, I remember like, going across the house like, like, it's like, have you got any trick-or-treaters? We haven't. Well, maybe your kids go trick-or-treating. It's fine. Look at us. We're not dead. <laughs> like, at the end, I'm not saying to not check the candy. Because people are gross, and you don't want to, like, if you're seeing gross stuff on the candy, or, like, free-roaming candy in the bag, throw it away because your kids' the Actually, jam hands have been in there. But... Really, it's just to steal the good stuff for yourself. Yeah. Actually, I am going to actually go out of the line and say I am in favor of inspecting candy because I just remembered something gross that happened with Halloween candy. Uh-huh. There was an old church lady who would buy, like, candy the year before when it was cheap and just keep it in her house and give it to you the next year. And, like, the can the chocolate was, like, all, like, white and gross and dried out. If you've got, like, cheap old ladies, check that candy. Although I also, I read, and I didn't put this in here because it wasn't really relevant. Hershey starts putting out their Halloween candy six months in advance. What? Yeah. So, like, this candy that I'm eating right now. Is it Hershey's? I don't think Reese's is Hershey's. Oh, no. What is her? What is it? A Kit Kat oh, no, it's Hershey, the Hershey Company. It is the Hershey Company. We can call them toll-free weekdays from 9 to 4 Eastern to ask when this was made. Oh, so it's probably... Oh, the orange background color on Reese's is a registered trademark, so you can't use that on stuff, guys. Oh, no, that exact orange? Oh, damn, our podcast is ruined. Our curtains are this color. Our president is that color. Let's get into these questions. Okay. I've got five of them. Five, five questions? I'm glad I'm hopped up on sugar. Will the fact that no one is actually in danger be on the test? No, because children must be afraid at all times. <laughs> Sorry, that one hit me a second later. There's ghosts in your blood, kids. Be afraid. Will the fact that the one documented incident of a stranger in any way injuring someone with tampered candy will the fact that they were a dentist who gave the kids the shits be on the test <laughs> but only for shits and giggles <laughs> no that wouldn't be on the test <laughs> will the fact that it's parents poisoning or poisoning their kids or the kids injuring themselves and it's not being done by strangers be on the test oh man that's a tough one i'm gonna say no because you need to trust teachers and parents. But also, yes, because kids must be afraid at all times. <laughs> will the fact that it will take 14.5 hours of walking to get rid of the calories be on the test? When Michelle Obama was the first lady, yes. But with the current one, no, because it's not about the cyberbullying. But taking off those calories is about being best. It is. Maybe you won't get cyberbullied if you're not full of candy. If you are not full of chocolate, Guter. Simpsons reference. And then most importantly, will the fact that your mom is hiding the good candy in one of her drawers and eating it herself be on the test? Yes, it will. Because kids, this year, you need to stand up by trick-or-treating and also take back your candy from your mom's drawer. You really did all the work. You did all the walking. But this is only if you went actual trick-or-treating. Because mm -hmm. if you went trunk-or-treating, your parents did all the work, too. Yeah, if you go trick-or-treating, your parents are going to charge a 10% candy tax on that. That's reasonable. It's, like, super reasonable. 
It's like they're driving you. They bought the costume. And they do all of the walking with you, and mm-hmm. they have to socialize so much at Trunk or Treat. Oh, and there's like there's like all of like the like all the parent group dynamics. Too. That sounds exhausting. Parents, we don't know how you do it. It's like so much parental politics. Yeah. It's like maybe parents this year, instead of having to look at Janet's brand new fucking BMW and hear her talk about how her husband made partner this year, maybe Send your kid trick-or-treating and sit at home and drink. (laughs) Wine exists on Halloween just as much as any other holiday. Or, as we discovered, Austin's hard ciders exist. Yep. Austin bought those for our party last night. I only bought them because they were Austin's hard ciders. And Austin doesn't drink. Austin does not drink. But they still got, they got drank last night. There's three left. There's a rosé hard cider. And I feel like... The spirit of basic white woman inhabits that drink. That's what we all were saying as we drank them, is that we're all basic bitches, so we're going to be drinking these. And they were pretty good. It's It helps if instead of putting the can into a koozie, you put it into an Ugg boot. <laughs> that is what we were all doing last night. We, we actually carry extra Ugg boots just in case we ever come across rosé. So that's why women carry such big purses. Did you know that? I think know that it's just in case we encounter pumpkin spice lattes or as rosé Ooh, i know if there's a pumpkin spice rosé ew that's disgusting but you know people will buy it we're going to leave you tonight with that thought the idea of pumpkin spice rosé yep so what did you learn today i learned that there was this epic rivalry between harry houdini and sir arthur conan doyle and I think I'd heard that Harry Houdini and his wife had code words because that's the kind of podcast I listen to or those ones. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that somebody found out the words and then tried to trick him because that is the meanest thing that you can do or try to trick her. That is so yeah. mean. That is just, I don't care how much money you're trying to make. That's hateful. Yeah, that is awful. What awful. did you learn? I learned that the one time someone actually poisoned strangers, it was a dentist and he just made kids shit. Further reason to not touch was it, dentists. Was it Jeremy Jam from Parks and Recreation? Headcanon now. You can't fix that. See, I was thinking it was the dentist from Little Shop of Horrors. That's just because you were watching that Little Shop of Horrors video from earlier. Yeah. There's a video, guys, from the California production on the James Corden show. If you haven't seen it, it's amazing. Even if you're not a musical fan, it's amazing. And then they're doing another one that's got Groff sauce. It does. That one's off-Broadway in New York right now with, with our Groff sauce in it. Who's he playing? Seymour. Seymour. He'd be a great dentist, too. He would be a great dentist. I don't know who else is in the cast. I looked at the cast list earlier and then forgot because that's how my brain works. But, yeah, watch the video from Corden's show. There are no videos from the Groff sauce show, probably because it's actively on stage right now. Little Shop of Horror is also a really good musical to watch on Halloween. Yeah. If you don't want something that's too scary, but it's got a good Ooh. story and it's got good music and Rick Moranis and Steve Martin are in it, watch that. Actually, you know, since we're going to be rock- recommending good Halloween movies, I'm going to recommend The Thing, the original one, with the all of the great practical effects, horror and blood and grossness. Can John we- Carpenter's The Thing. I recommend it. For Halloween. Can we use that to trick somebody into saying, into believing it's video we shot in South America or whatever? I wish we could, 
maybe like if we traveled back in time and then showed someone the thing, it's like, yeah, this happened in Antarctica. Don't go to Antarctica. They'll put the thing in your child's candy. All right, guys, we've been rambling on for a long time tonight. Last episode, I cut 18 minutes. <sighs> so maybe it won't be that long, but we'll let you go. Enjoy your Halloween. It's the best holiday. Don't be afraid to trick-or-treat. And let us know what you wore for Halloween because yes. there's nothing better than a good costume. Whether you're two years old or 200 years old, costumes are the best. Costumes are so much fun. And class, class dismissed. dismissed.